Stumbled at the first hurdle. However, the equation remains the same as it was last week. Win the next three games and we win the flag. How we achieve that is something we'll attempt to find out tonight. And joining me tonight to help dissect the loss is longtime Demon Lander George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Good evening to Bimland. Good evening to all our listeners. Well, we've got questions about the side now. We've got more questions about the injuries. And we've got lots of questions from our listeners, but do we have the answer? Let's see if we can find out. Well, we certainly do have a lot of uh, questions from our listeners and also joining us tonight to help answer those those questions and analyse what we need to do to pick up the pieces and get back on the horse is Demonland's resident tactician, duo, uh, Bin Man. Sorry, Bin Man. Good evening, Bin Man. <laughs> Good evening, Andy. Good evening, George. Good evening, Demonlanders. Uh, yes, uh, uh, one of the very significant downsides of being as confident as I was coming into this game is the sinking feeling in that last quarter as I came to the realisation we weren't going to win that game. And, jeez, uh, it's, uh, it <laughs> took me a, it's taken me a while to get back to a equilibrium, I must say, and uh, just, uh, just humour me a little bit. After the game, I um, was in a state of... Well, a funk would be probably the best way to describe it. And um, unusually, I decided to, instead of walking to the city, which is how I'd normally um, get home from the G and get a train from the city, I decided to walk to Richmond. So that was mistake one, uh, Richmond Station, because it was just chaos. I just couldn't couldn't get to the, the um, platform. When I finally got to the platform, there was a police incident at um, Flinders Street, which meant no trains were going into Flinders Street and no trains were going out of Flinders Street. So it was pandemonium. And then um, I'm standing there, a whole bunch of people are, um, sort of asking for selfies with this fella, and it turns out it's Jordan Lewis. And um, so I'm standing next to Jordan Lewis, and to his to his internal credit, he was really patient with people asking for selfies and, you know, <laughs> um, I thought I, th- I was quite impressed. And I thought to myself, at least it's not David King. <laughs> um, anyway, the time clicks past 25 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes on, on the station full of joyous um, Swans fans. And who walks up the ramp? but David King. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, uh, I hope I don't see David King after seeing Geordie Lewis thinking because he was right and I was wrong. And uh, I could not have been more wrong about the finals. In fact, I, I thought that would be quite a bit of a damn squib with only the one close game. I got that right, which was Richmond. I, I got that game right, was Richmond um, Lions being a close game. But the rest were, were terrific, including our game. I mean, it was a hard, um, hard uh, pill to swallow but to uh i have to also say to david king's credit there was a young a, a melbourne fan who pigeonholed him and uh, david king was really terrific with him and patient um and he was standing right next to me and um he basically 
these sort of theme was how ferocious and how incredibly ruthless and ferocious the tackling and energy was of the Swans. And, and I guess we'll talk about that tonight, but their pressure was uh, was off the charts. So, David, if you're listening, which is unlikely, but you were right on this game and uh, credit to you for taking the time to uh, be patient with the, with the Dees fan who, um, who asked his opinion. Well, actually, uh, joining us now is uh, David King to accept your apology. Good evening, David. <laughs> yes, uh, well. <laughs> well, uh, I, well, let's get straight into it because we do have a lot of questions uh, from the listeners. We'll do our, our um, usual match wrap-up and uh, I guess the word of the night was pressure and Sydney brought the pressure and the Ds just had no answer for it. This is not a new phenomenon for the Melbourne Football Club of 2022. There have been at least five matches now where another team has played a man-on-man style of game and brought immense pressure to the contest and the Ds have folded twice against the Pies, against the Blues, perhaps against the Hawks earlier in the season and now twice against the Swans and there were some mitigating circumstances in some of those games but uh, the other night a host of Demon players were simply not able to stand up to the pressure and subsequently were about uh, were about to execute you know were were not being and were not able to execute in a manner befitting finals footy at times we did look slick but once again we weren't able to hold a lead and play four quarters of footy Sydney's pressure was immense as evidenced by belting us in the tackles 84 to 70 tackles inside 50 were 25 to 13 one percenters 68 to 55 and the fact that they scored 70 points of their 91 points from turnovers uh, Melksham Neil Bullen and Hunt all wilted under the pressure and all three of them should be very worried about their position in the team. Unfortunately, we have seen the reward that such efforts get and that's another game. However, we simply can't afford to keep rewarding poor skills, poor execution and poor efforts. And despite the praise that we heaped on the team for our ability to score in a variety of different ways in the final match of the home and away season, the Ds reverted to type and either kick deep into the forward pocket or just bomb the ball in. Our forward connection was at its worst despite the six more inside 50s and four more marks inside 50s that we had. Uh, We've been banging on about this for weeks, but resting our Ruckman in the forward line just isn't working and is not bearing any fruit. Neither Gorn nor Jackson took a mark in our forward 50 and the only goal from the two of them came from a free kick. Neither of them provided the same forward craft, neither of them provide the same forward craft the T-Mac was provide, provides in terms of blocking, bringing the ball to ground, providing defensive pressure uh, when the ball hits the deck. And we'll talk a bit more later on about the forward line as we've got lots of questions in that regard, but it's safe to say that we need another tall, non-ruck option down there. Fritch is good for a couple of goals, but if Pickett doesn't fire, we simply don't have the tall options in the team to assist Ben Brown, who gets double and triple teamed. And I won't get ahead of myself, but if we face Geelong in a prelim, he will be eaten alive with without another tall option to assist against their defence. The contest in the middle was uh, was struck a massive blow when Petrarca copped a heavy knock in the first, limiting his output for the rest of the match. Clary more than stood up to hold his own and also put through two goals, but the rest of the mids were quiet, whilst Luke Parker ran riot, especially when the game was on the line in the second quarter. Gorn and Jackson were overshadowed in the ruck by Tom Hickey, with Jackson only taking one mark and having seven possessions. And likewise, Gorn didn't have his best night and despite some good marking, his disposal massively let us down. 
Our usually miserly defence was full of holes and the only shining light was Stephen May, who absolutely destroyed Buddy Franklin once again. Maisie had 23 touches, 7 marks, an incredible 16 intercepts and 583 metres gained. The amount of turnovers in defence was putrid. In fact, we had a high high amount of turnovers from a number of players across the field. Brayshaw 11, Viney 9, Gorn 7, Petty 7, Lever 6, Hibbard 6. This is what pressure does to a team. We need to be able to combat that type of heat, but there are other teams left in the competition, including the Swans, who know how to bring it. Uh, We're now into sudden death. We've beaten our next opponent twice already this season by an average margin of 10 goals. Will we repeat history? Will we make any changes? Will the Lions have done their homework and learned their lessons from the past? Time will tell. Uh, Gentlemen, um, any other comments regarding the game? Keeping in mind any questions we've got coming up? Uh, B-Man? Yeah, I mean, we'll cover a lot of what I was sort of thinking about actually in the questions, which is interesting. And, you know, it's just really interesting. The, um, I mean, pressure was obviously a huge factor and there seems to be two models of football evolving um, and I know George was going to touch on it. So I might follow your lead, George, because okay. um, and I'm interested in the intersections a little bit. But just on the, um, just on the game itself, I mean... In the second quarter, I couldn't end and the second half of the third quarter. That's the most fumbles that I can recall Melbourne doing mm. under pressure for a long, long time now. Um, clearly their pressure was fantastic. Um, but some of the errors, um, and, and Goody again, if you, he, he was a very unhappy man in that presser and he, he made the point three times about execution. Um, and there were some f- super frustrating ones in that third quarter missing handball chains where it wasn't really so much there. I mean, maybe it was referred pressure, but just mistakes. Um, It rained. um, If viewers watching at um, home wouldn't have seen it because it looked absolutely perfect. Just Um, before. But it rained, yeah, yeah, for about 20 minutes for, um, you know, till about 10 minutes before the game. It was a light. It was a light rain. It wasn't that heavy. No, yeah, but just enough to make it greasy, which, I mean, they they didn't, you know, they were brilliant. Their ball handling was brilliant Mm. and their kicking for goals was brilliant. As I said on the podcast last week, they've got some brilliant kicks and that really, to be honest, the difference in skill level was really evident, particularly on the um, kicking front. Um, But just a comment on, I'm not sure whether one of the questions covered, but I saw track that incident happen. And I had my binoculars on him for big parts of the game at different times. He could barely get out of a jog for pretty much from that point on. Um, And there was one point where he motioned to come off the ground and I was sitting on that side, so almost directly um, above the interchange bench. And he had to come back off. He came off finally. He got the he got waved off, uh, and then had to come on in a, about three four minutes. And he was limping to come off. This is in the third quarter, and he was limping just as heavily to come back on. It was ridiculous. I couldn't, I could not understand why they didn't bring Smith on, because one, he's, we needed his energy, but you know, two. Of course, track, you know, there's an argument, a half-fit track in the middle, but he wasn't really being effective. And the thing is that, you know, he was at like some 41% effective um, uh, disposal, which was woeful. He was getting no depth, but he was offering us no run. So we were essentially one player down out of our rotations in terms of ability to cover ground. And if you add in to that also Spargo, he was hospitalised. I didn't realise that until I read in Demonland. He got a chop to the neck, to the throat, and had to go to hospital. Fritch hurt his knee directly before the game 
at one point, Gorn was running directly to me and I said to my mate that I was sitting with, Gorn, he's done his hammy um, because he looked like he was running so awkwardly. He literally, he was desperately trying to get the ball over the boundary and running to a contest. But his running gait looked really weird and um, I thought for sure he'd done his hammy. Um, he hadn't, obviously, because he played on. Um, and, you know, apparently also Milksham was carrying something. Um, my point being really is that those injuries you know, we're obviously pretty significant, but Trax was the biggest one. And I, 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 you know, I understand Goody's approach, you know, and I'll back it in. He's got the runs on the board, but geez, I, I was just gobsmacked that right from the moment it happened, actually, I was gobsmacked Smith didn't come on because, you know, for one thing we needed his run, but the other factor was that he would have been able to be put down forward and provide that that second tall option that we so desperately needed. Um, so it was a frustrating game um, to, to watch on a number of levels, but that really burnt my bacon, um, having a fit, firing athlete sitting on the bench and not coming on. So yeah, I'd be interested in your guys' views on on that decision. It was um, a little bit bewildering. I could understand for a start-off why they um, wouldn't bring him on because it was so early in the game, but, you know, by the time you get to half time and he's not getting any better, you really, you really got to question, you know, what's the value being out of, achieved out of him? I remember when Petrarca was kicking, he'd got a free or a mark or something. He was right on the 50 metre line kicking for goal. Um, not long after, he was um, uh, kicked in the leg and he couldn't make the distance. And no, for, he didn't for, even look likely on that yeah, kick, did he? Yeah, for a guy who's um, supremely powerful and certainly getting the distance is no problem to him. That was a real indictment. So I can, like I said, I can understand why they might le- wait yeah, for a little while to see whether you can run it out. Or, yeah, exactly. You know, um, and you don't want to make your sub too early in case something more dramatic occurs. But, um, yeah, after that, you, you do have to question it. But I, I still question all, all this stuff about the forward line. I just cannot understand why, for example, we're starting with Jackson in the ruck, Max Gorn at full forward and Ben Brown on the on the bench. Well, I just, mean, I think it just seems silly to me. Yeah, that was weird. But I think Max is carrying something. So no, I reckon I, I, there are yeah, two I, factors I, with him playing forward. One, he's obviously carrying something. Like as yeah. I said, his running gait when he was running towards me, I said to my mate straight away, he's done his hammy. Um, it was so so unusual the way he was running. And secondly, he's down there because we don't have that second tall down exactly. there. So yeah. it, you know, in a way, it's it's robbing Peter to pay Paul. But I, I suspect it's more about he's carrying an injury, and so. You know, he's not a forward in any sense of the word. And, in fact, arguably, I mean, liability is not – is probably a bit over the top as a forward. But, I mean, he's seven foot almost. So if the ball hits the deck, he's going to struggle. Yeah. Um, and and Ben Brown also looked a bit banged up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because of that philosophy. They had a full um, practice match during the middle of the week. Now, we did the same thing last year and that's our model. Um, but we had some banged up players coming into that match and you wonder whether, I mean, we saw on 360 last week, Track got a hit to the head and he had a cut on his lip from that game. So, obviously, it's a pretty fierce game. So, um, yeah, it was like, I agree, George, it was him up forward, I think that's really probably the logic behind it or maybe the driver of it. Um, um, but, it, you know, the number one thing it really did in this game is it took away our strength in the ruck because yeah. Jackson also doesn't look in great nick yeah. and is not and is carrying a bit of a knee injury, injury apparently and well, certainly his bandage didn't seem to have his normal zip. So, you know, we've got the best ruck in the league and he's only rucking, I think he was 60-odd percent in this game, wasn't it? So, yeah. 
Still, all, all credit to Sydney. Their pressure around around the ball in particular at all times and across the whole field, not just their midfield, was just exceptional. Oh, it was absolutely, fantastic. Absolutely. It was fantastic. And it ex- absolutely op- not only opened it up, but exposed those you know players who are sort of at the margins um, so easily because it just by putting the pressure on them, you suddenly find out why they haven't been in the side or they've been dropped in the past. It's because they can't kick the ball under pressure. They well, can't exacerbate the they, skills. They, yeah, and, and that was and that's obviously what really upset uh, Goodwin. And, you know, in his interview, he made like you just said, he, we, um, our fundamentals and basics were off. Yeah, because of the Sydney pressure, Sydney were more fresh, uh, efficient. They they really pressure well. Um, he was particularly critical of. Uh, turnovers three times in the third quarter, which resulted in goals. To yeah, well, first. I'll talk about that in a sec yeah. to, to one of the questions. Yeah. But I mean, uh, what the, they do really well, the Swans, it's interesting. I was sort of thinking, I was thinking that it's almost like a new sort of style in the way some it is that really pressuring the so the giving up, not giving up contestable. One of the really interesting um, uh, features of this game and the Geelong Collingwood game. Um, um, was continuing the, the trend of both teams being down in contested possessions. And I couldn't find the um, post-clearance contested possessions. And I think it was Watson 11 on Demonland um, did some work to try and work it out. But essentially, Sydney were ahead in the post-clearance possessions, which gelled with what I saw now, this sort of that notion of really pressuring, losing the contested possession, keeping in mind they bring an extra to the stoppage, um, and then pressuring the outlet kick. Well, that's sort of, as someone pointed out, I think Lucifer's hero pointed out, well, that's not exactly new because that's what clubs were doing to us when we had multiple players, so-called, you know, bees to the honeypot type thing. But what is a bit different is that it's not just in that immediate ring around the um, stoppage that that happens. They're positioning players... um, um, with some depth from the contest and winning that next contest. Uh, and I wonder whether that sort of feature that I've noted a few times during the year of us doing long handballs into to, to clear that is a way of trying to address that um, post-clearance stuff that we're getting hurt on. And it's those teams that Andy mentioned, Collingwood, um, Blues to a lesser extent, Collingwood mm-hmm. and definitely the Swans who who seem to be playing this model that is so much based on pressure, like it's old school one-on-one in to a degree. Um, the other thing is um, for me in that game is the those two styles of coaching that I've talked about, the system-based one and then a system with much more sort of tactical fluidity looking to um, to address teams' weaknesses and strengths is and Longmire is much more of that category and I thought he did a brilliant job coaching. They put time into Salem and they put time into Langdon and they put time into Lever, um, which was really clever because all three players are critical to our ability to transition the ball yeah. um, and they really took that away from us. But, I mean, Andy, the number that you came up with, 71 points from turnover against us out of a score of 91 points is is simply phenomenal. I mean, for me, that's the number one. Yep. That's the number one stat that really says how shows how that match played out. Um, but you're right, George. They All credit to the Swans. They were so, so much better than I expected them to be in terms of I just didn't think they'd have that energy or zip to bring to that contest. Um, they're clearly super fit. Um, they, they were they were really fantastic. I thought. 
If you want to join us tonight, uh, 0390163666, that's 0390163666, or you can Skype us, Demonland31, um, or, um, yeah, we, we'll get straight into the questions from our listeners, which we've uh, got from uh, Demonland.com. Uh, we have put up a podcast thread, so if you do want to contribute, if you're not a member of Demonland, you do want to contribute, uh, can either call our number zero three nine zero one six three triple six. You can call that during the week. Leave a message. We do later on have a voicemailer who left a message, so we'll play that shortly. Uh, you can contact us that way or sign up to Deemland.com and uh, join up, discuss uh, your favourite football club and, uh, yeah, you can jump on the podcast thread each week and ask a question uh, or make a comment. And we'll start with uh, Bigfoot uh, who says... Uh, we for, I mean, this is talking about the turnovers. We forced more turnovers than Sydney, 81 to 75, yet they scored 70 points from turnovers from their 91 points in total. And we weren't able to capitalise when we turned the ball over. We, f- we folded under the pressure of Sydney's high pressure. How can we combat that in the future? If we get through the Lions and somehow get through the Cats, we are most likely going to have to play the Swans or Collingwood in a granny. And we've seen the results of our four matches against those two high-pressure teams. Uh, Demoland poster CYB added, uh, what has happened to our tu- our turnover game? You cannot rely on clearance and stoppage goals all the time. This scoring source has all but dried up and it's no surprise we rank in the bottom quartile in ball movement as well. Who wants to take that one? So we've got two sides of the coin, uh, you know, d- d- turnovers and how do we, you know, how are we going to get through past these high-pressure teams? What are we going to do to combat it? And also what's happened to our... Our scoring, George. It's partly tied up with what I was going to talk about, about the and Bin Man's mentioned it um, coincidentally, about the two different styles of play, which are um, I've now what's seeing amongst the finals teams. Um, to use the basketball analogy, um, I think teams like um, Melbourne, uh, Richmond, although they lost, um, are playing uh, a half-court press. Uh, with the basketball, yeah. where you've got yeah, the real forward. And, and probably Geelong as well yeah, to a certain extent, Geelong. but but there, uh, and, and what what that requires you to have is a really strong defensive unit. You know, on basketball court, the back three are essential. In football, the back seven are are essential, to, and it's got to be a really st- strong s- structure um, to be able to employ it. So. Um, Te- uh, there, are, there are other teams out there, and I think Brisbane are a good example, who don't have that structure and can't employ it. Um, so anyhow, um, the the counter to that is you've got teams now like the Swans and Collingwood are playing man on man effectively, all up all up the ground, and sometimes you've, you're forced into that situation because you haven't got a back uh, defensive unit. But the other thing that's um, very useful when you're playing that type of um, a style is you have a lot of young players, players who can run and run and run and continue to run. Yeah. Um, and that's both the case for the Swans and for and for Collingwood. They've got a, a lot of old stages, of course, in both their sides, but they've also got a lot of young players, particularly through the midfields, who just run all day. What's going to, I think is going to be very interesting uh, over this final series, and we've seen it, you know, Geelong versus Collingwood already, Melbourne versus the Swans, is which one's going to triumph? Yeah. Um, it's it's a bit hard to know at this stage, but uh, the games weren't all that far apart. But we're not quite sure what what the outcome is going to be as we progress further into the finals. It's just as likely, um, you know, the the, the, um, 
Geelong Collingwood game could have just as easily gone the other direction. Even ours, you know, down to that last quarter, and apart from a few stupid things that we did during the game, it could have gone the other way as well. Um, I don't think any clubs in a position that they can change their mind at this stage. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think the only tweaks that the, that the coaches are, are capable of doing at this stage is individual players, uh, but the styles will remain the same. And it's interesting, and that's that's why um, you know Longmire did a great job in in our particular game. If Melbourne depends on that um, half-court press, you put the pressure up the field, and, and in our case, there was no pressure up the field from a lot of our people, and you cut out those defenders like the levers uh, in the game, you really change the, the structure away, uh, really change the structure in the way that Melbourne play and are able to attack. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting in, in the next couple of weeks to see which, which style comes out on top. That's really interesting, George, because that was really my reflection um, watching this first week of final. I said a few weeks ago that the premiership winning model is the territory game, which is a half-court press is a really good analogy. That's really the way Melbourne like to play, get in your forward half and keep it there. Um, and multiple scores, um, that's often where we drive our turnover scores from because we turn it over with teams desperately trying to clear it out of their defence and we mop it up at the half court line and bring it back in um we weren't able to trap it in our front half the way we were i saw the board at three quarter time um with uh, um it's great if you can watch it through binoculars because they as i've said before they put up their key stats they were down on their their kpi for forward half um so they would have been pretty disappointed with that and, and part of that was a big part of that i think was uh, Longmire's smarts but so that territory model geelong play it brisbane play a version of it but you're right they struggled to stop the ball going back the other way um and um geelong um Ge- definitely melbourne and richmond obviously um you know that's been the premiership model and i wonder whether the new model is this pressure um that it's like in some respects it's an old model but both rich uh, both collingwood and um the pies have excellent defensive systems so it's not just that they're a one-on-one team like brisbane for instance that needs to employ that model they've also got um a really good defensive system and you make an excellent point about both teams um young players because they're not just good footballers with good skills they're really really good athletes um and good runners and for me watching frio the other thing about that second half of that game was marvelling at um, some of their runners. And it, it occurred to me that there's so a shift in footy is that hyper level of pressure. Is, pressure's always been critical, but it's gone to another level. Um, and how many good athletes there are. So re- when I say good athletes, you know, that would not be out of place in, four, you know, elite 400-metre running, that sort of athlete. Um, in, in, incredible. A couple of things, though, I'd say is we could have won this game. So 19 points was a bit... Actually, it could have been a lot closer. Um, you know, we had our um, opportunities to put a gap on them. We're 15 points up. We get to 21 points up, kick the next goal in that third quarter after Cosy kicked the first one in the third. Um, and, you know, who knows, it might have looked different. But we lost momentum. It's something we've really not been able, not been able to do. And what I'm really curious about, so I'll get back to that question in a sec, is... Tactically, we seem to be shifting. All of a sudden, we're not predictable. I don't know. People are talking about our predictability. 
three, four goals given up by going aggressive corridor kicks. Three of them from, you know, two from um, May, who's got form in this space. He's done it a few times this season. And one from Gorn kicking into Hunt that coughed up a goal. Now, that was all because we'd, we were, especially in the third quarter, we came out and played high-risk footy and we did right from the beginning. So it sort of panned out how I thought in terms of how we would play. But the problem with risk reward um, footy with the dial towards risk is you give up goals and that's what happened we couldn't um, keep the, the the pace out of the game and we couldn't control the tempo they did it brilliantly um, but as for whether the which model will prevail there's no, we're going to stick with our model although as I said there's been some pretty significant changes to it and maybe that's a function of thinking through that by goody that maybe we struggle with that new way of playing. Um, but we'll stick with with that model. Uh, and as you say, it'll be interesting to see. But this week we'll be, you know, we'll be playing a team that will also stick to their model. So... Uh, D Minion says, uh, I couldn't make the trek down from Brisbane last Friday knowing we had the double chance. I wanted us to get to Melbourne for either semi or the prelim and hopefully the granny. Uh, in round 23, I was able to watch us live at the Gabba and we played with a totally different strategy going forward. We seem to revert to a kick it to the pocket strategy or just bomb it in this week. Can any of you explain to me uh, why that was as it was difficult to ascertain from watching on the telly? Um, I, I think that was really just a function of... Hmm. I said to my mate at the footy that one of the things about the Swans and in particular the way my coaches is he's a disruptor. They disrupt. So it's like they come out to disrupt the opposition's plan as a key plank of the way they play footy. Um, and and for me, that felt like that. They wanted it down the line. They 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 forced that issue, um, I thought. That, and we couldn't get the wave run going. We couldn't get that transition that CYB was noting. That's what creates that open forward line. That's what creates the looks inside when you get that wave running. We talked about that after the Brisbane game. You take that away from it, then we can't get those looks inside to free players and then you are left with kicking um, to the pocket and to the... Uh, and when Gorn isn't impacting, when Jackson's not impacting and Brown's not taking any marks, he barely he took a mark all night, to, uh, I don't think. Um, you're going to really struggle. Um, and then the forwards weren't putting on the pressure at the at the drop. So um, for me, that was more a function of, of, of great coaching and uh, execution by the Swans than us not being able, you know, us um, changing tactics. Uh, Buck Naked uh, asks, uh, would be interested in your thoughts on the 350-metre penalties, the buddy flop and general discipline, and Lazy uh, adds that, uh, are the incidents uh, in this game overplayed uh, or were we just beaten by an all-round better team on the night, uh, George? Yeah, I... I had the privilege of actually watching this in action from behind. Um, the first buddy, um, uh, f the free that was a relayed 50 from up the ground, um, Stephen May gave Buddy an absolute ripper of a kidney punch. Um, yeah, that was, that was stupid <laughs> uh, by me. Uh, it, really it, it was stupid. Um, we had the ball, we were going forward, yep. and it just, that was stupid. Yeah, and then, of course, as they're both running back, uh, Buddy... Um, being the big man that he is, you know, trying to impose himself, ran in straight into May. Of course, May just blocked him and Buddy flopped onto the ground. So the umpire, was unfortunately, was sucked in by that and that was at a further 50-metre penalty. Um, 
That Good. was appalling, and it wasn't George. It wasn't the umpire near the bloody contest. No, it was no, the it was umpire good. down near the centre half back um, yeah. line. Yeah. It was fifty meters, sixty meters away, and yeah. and was blocked. I mean, um, but he was running directly away from him. That was just yeah. such an appalling. Yeah. What, what did what was May supposed to do? And you could see him afterwards yeah. saying to the umpire, "What did you want me to move?" Or you know, yeah. it was, that was infuriating. It was, it was disgraceful that that one. But you know, at the and end, and that's of what the, turned the momentum of the game yeah. to a large degree. I reckon. Yeah. Yep, um, and and Goodwin was scathing about it as well. At the end of the day, those three fifty, the one harms, not greatly worried about because you know, yes, he he could have avoided the amount of damage, I suppose that he he did. The person wasn't damaged because Harms wouldn't be playing this. Yeah, it looked much had, worse, and I was directly behind. Um, it looked terrible. You know, <laughs> he, he knocked him over. He got up straight away, virtually. Yeah. Uh, but that's what the rules are. That's fifty meters. And Goodwin was scathing about that because that put him, put him within range um, of the goal. That you know, instead of being out on the fifty metre mark, he's sitting in the goal square. Um, so those sort of little things in a game that's decided by three goals. Well, there, um, there were three the... three goals from fifty metre penalties in this game for the entire that's season. Right. We've only had yeah. three goals from fifty metre penalties. Well, that, <laughs> that sums it up beautifully, doesn't it? Uh, but, uh, but the other part of the question was um, um, we were beaten by a better team on the night. There's no, yeah. you know, I, there's no issue there. I mean, but it, it goes those three fifty meters is, you know, again, it's a bit like the question that I asked both of you after the Pies game. So now, you know, the same question: Do you? I presume you both think that the Swans are a legitimate flag contender. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Right. So we easily could have won that game. So the same logic applies as it does against the Pies. If they're legitimate flag contenders and we, we've we shown in both of those matches that we can match them and 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 beat them on, on, a, on a given day, although we're struggling to prove that with both teams, um, then, then we're a flag contender as well. Yeah, but uh, when I have a look at our record against the remaining six teams, we're like three three wins uh, and uh, and two of them yeah, are against right. uh, Brisbane. So, and one was against Frio on a wet deck. Like we're three from tenth, three or whatever it is. It's, but the thing is, in yeah. all of those games, Andy, we were leading. I know, but that's we lost. We all lost. We yeah, lost yeah, those yeah, games. Yeah. I don't have. Yeah. I'd love somebody's to have got, won seven of lose. them. Yeah, I know, but I would yeah, prefer to win. Yeah. Uh, we do and just, have, Andy, just okay. really quickly, the, there was a question last week um, and I forget who it was from and I was reflecting actually afterwards but also after the game that we that I gave it pretty short thrift about, you know, um, I forget the actual specific question about why some teams play um, bet well against other teams. And there's um, definitely like our model works super well against Brisbane's because of their reliance on their forward line and our defensive system works well against theirs. Um, and I was reflecting after this Swans game and their record, their record against us is phenomenal. Um, and, uh, you know, it's hard not to think that that pressure that um, George was talking about and that I was talking about in terms of the outside contest pressure uh, really does disrupt our game plan because, you know, the as a, the trend is the friend, isn't it? So um, I think so, that, you know, there are teams, you know, like you're saying, George, there's these two different ways of the teams left in the finals that play footy. And in some respects, 
the style of Collingwood versus stay the style of Geelong, they're opposites, not quite opposites, but they've, you know, and I think that on, on a given day that one disrupts the other. Um, whereas when we play Geelong, I'm, I'm more confident now of beating Geelong if we happen to win this week in the prelim than I would be of beating Sydney in the grand final if that's what ends up happening. Um, you know, a bit of water to go under a few bridges there, but do you know what I mean? In terms of the way our game plan stacks yeah. up super yeah. well against Brisbane and Geelong, um, less against um, the sort of high pressure and high running of the um, Swans and Pies. Uh, we've got a caller on the line. Uh, good evening. Welcome to the Demon Land podcast. Who am I talking to? Good evening, Andy. Uh, Long time listener, third time caller. It's <laughs> Kieran from Canberra. How are you all? Hey, good, Kieran. How are you going? Very well. Are you okay, Andy? Uh, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> hanging in there, mate. <laughs> I'm hanging in by. Uh, I was well, more calling just to see how you were, mate. The 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 <laughs> the double chance has has uh, definitely uh, made my mood a little better. Um, you know the the fact that the equation remains the same. Um, yeah, uh, look, we've just got to get the job done. Um, oh, look, I'm not overly confident, but uh, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> well, I heard that you you were talking about bogey teams, and I feel like it's never a given, but um, I feel we're we should be very, very confident about this week. Um, and I've got, I'm calling in to ask um, two questions. Um, the, the first is around something that I'm sure we'll, you'll be hesitant to talk about because you guys don't work in hypotheticals. But um, I'm interested uh, from bin man, as being a betting man perspective on uh, where you guys think Brody Grundy is uh, at the moment in terms of coming to Melbourne. And, and if so, would it be possible for Mark Choco Williams to take Max Gorn into his home over the summer and teach him how to kick? <laughs> well, in terms of, I'll, I'll let Big Man answer that in a second. But you'd think with Grundy, it's only it just all it's all depending on what happens with Luke Jackson. I guess so. I reckon Luke Jackson yeah. will stay, and so I don't reckon we'll be needing Brody's services. Thank you very much, Brody. Um, I don't. I don't really have a. A view on Brody Grundy. I, to be honest, uh, the issue for um, Brody Gunry coming to Melbourne is he's he's no chop as a forward. So you know, like the idea of Jackson exactly. is not going to be a direct like for like for Jackson because not that Jackson's been knocking down the doors as a forward either. But um, we but need he's got fact a lot of scope is for improvement. The fact is, if if Jackson goes, we need a ruckman who can come in straight away. Isn't a development. Can just play as a oh, ruck. Well, and give Max maybe a Ford who can ruck would be yeah, more. Well, of, I'd well, rather a decent Ford yeah. who can ruck like Lob, for instance. Than I agree, than, Bin Man. Yep. Yeah. But Jackson's going to stay until proven otherwise. Go, go ahead, Kieran. Yeah. Well, this is exactly, and I know I'm jumping the gun. This could be done at the end of the season. This is kind of the discussion. But I love you guys able to go into, again, it should probably should be done later when we're dealing in less hypotheticals, but I appreciate you uh, taking my call. And, and lastly, um, I think it, we shouldn't be worried about our forward line. If there has been concern, don't forget T-Mac is yet to come back next year and we've got a young bloke in that second team who's had a whole season under his belt and I think we'll change change our forward line dramatically and put some pressure on um, some of those forwards that, that may... Um, may feel like they've they've got a ticket there um, regardless. So, yeah, look, not all doom and gloom. 
If I was there, Andy, I'd give you a big hug, mate. Don't stress. We'll be fine. <laughs> You're already talking about next year and we're still a chance uh, this year. So uh, <laughs> who's the who's the one that's being negative now? Um, yeah, no, there'll be pl- that's true. <laughs> plenty of time to talk about uh, uh, the post-mortem of the season, but let's wait until the, the corpse is <laughs> is cold before we uh, we start doing that. We're, we've still got some life in us just yet. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And we will talk yeah. about actually oh. our forward line for this season shortly so um yeah uh go ahead kieran no thank you very much guys keep it up and um i look forward to chatting to you next week when we're about to take on john i know well good call on you, kieran. In, feel free to call in thanks kieran on the forward line andy as good said forward line's not really the problem when you're giving up 91 points i mean it's our mm. it's again we've given up close to 100 points in a game of footy yep. and you know, this, that's the problem. <laughs> um, all right, uh, where were we? Uh, at the break of Gorn writes, it'd be great if you guys can discuss the strategy of playing Gorn as a forward for the majority of the game. Uh, Gorn has barely fired a shot as a forward. He provides little to no leads and almost tempts our midfielders to bomb it in uh, long as opposed to lowering their eyes. Why has Goodwin been pursuing it for so long and is it finally time to scrap the idea? Uh, now, George, I know you have some thoughts in it, uh, but uh, maybe B-Man as well. Uh, is this a, maybe a factor of him carrying an injury and we sort of forced to play him in the forward line? Because he's not doing any of that. Remember, how many times would we see him marking it at the last line of defence? When was the last time you saw him even really in our back line or deep in our back line? Um, I... I... <laughs> I think I've said the before, and I keep saying it again. It's not working. Um, yeah. uh, maybe it is, maybe it is that he's carrying an injury, and they're trying to protect him. But the reality is that he, he's a big. Uh, at the end of the day, he's a big lumbering guy, and he's fantastic. But you can't expect him to play at both ends of the ground and around the ground for the whole game. No. Um, the other difficulty it presents in the forward line is that when you look at the players who are in the forward line, um, you know, Fritter doesn't chase all that very much um uh gorn's in there not unable to um to run ben brown's not the fastest person in the world uh melcham is hot and cold some some weeks he doesn't do anything whatsoever. some weeks we're praising him and the other weeks we're yeah. ready to lynch but, him but when you when you've got a forward line of six players and four of them won't run or can't run um it's not surprising that you're getting the results um mm. that we're seeing um, we really need someone else in there um, to help out. Someone who's ath- at least athletic, ready to run. Um, you know, if you're going to if you're going to run the Joel Smith trial, well, run it because it because he can run. He can provide some protection. When we talk about defensive forwards, we can't have six defensive forwards. We need forward yeah. forwards to kick goals. Um, well, and, I mean, you had and, Smith and it, sitting on the bench; he could have come on, but he would yeah. take it Max off and put him down there. Exactly. And you know, we're totally dependent on Cozzy doing all the defensive work at the moment, and that yeah. was certainly the case in this game. And once again, you can't can't expect one player to do all the work you can't expect max to go in the ruck and then be down the back line and play full forward as well um it's just just too demanding i think the opportunity was lost six weeks ago to bring in uh, uh, van royen or someone else uh, the weederman experiment failed um we'll find out this weekend where the t-mac comes in you know really this is the last roll of the dice so um, yeah. um this is the time to do it if you're going to do it um uh, 
we talked about it, you know, is an 80% Petrarca um, better than nothing at all? Well, probably is. Is is an 80% TMAC better than what we've been getting so far over the last six weeks? I'm of the opinion it probably is. Or put a Joel Smith in, and he's not ready either. Let's let's yeah, make no, yeah. da- no de- bones about it. He's only played, what is it, two games at Casey. Two, but, but he'll be fit, he'll be fit enough. He'll be, if they he'll named be fit, him yeah. as the yeah. sub, he'll be ready to roll. But, yeah, but, yeah I mean, I reckon Maxi must be. I mean, you make an excellent point, actually, Andy, about we've now that I think about it, like we really, and maybe that's a factor in our inability to stop. He's not He's not getting any intercept marks, is he? And you take, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, there's a question about it, so I won't jump to it now, but... Gorn is not dropping back and taking those defensive marks. They're, they're stretching May. And so one of, as well as May played, he was one-on-one with um, Buddy for the whole match. So yeah. he wasn't intercept marking. Um, well, I mean, apart from the fact that he took a whole bunch directly on, um, um, yeah, buddy, uh, yeah. do you know what I mean, directly yeah, on yeah, yeah. Franklin as opposed contested, to zoning off and getting marks, the contest. Yeah. Well, zoning off is yeah. what I meant. Like yeah. he had plenty of contested marks where he, he beat um, you know, he had a fantastic game, but it, um, we had no sort of, we had, uh, with Lever being well held, we had no pe- players zoning off each other. Um, but without Gorn there, and also I reckon having, um, we've lost a bit with Brayshaw not being either at halfback flank and mm-hmm. taking, you know, he was leading our marks, um, our intercept marks, and I'm not sure where that number is at now. Um, so you take out the intercept marks he was taking down back deep and gone. That's that's a high number of contest marks that we're not taking that we were. Um, that's definitely been a factor. As I said, my suspicion is that he's he's struggling a bit and has been since the middle of the year, I reckon, Maxi. And the fact that they're playing him forward is cover the fact that we don't have T-Mac and what a huge t- out T-Mac has proven to be as we were all worried about that it might be. Um, Watson, I oh know, Kelpian uh, wants to know, he wants to talk about key stats. We won the disposal count, inside 50s, free kicks, hit outs, contested possession, marks inside 50, contested marks. We got belted in pressure department, pressure acts, tackles and hence turnovers and scores from turnovers. Is the latter the reason we couldn't capitalise on the former? I guess meaning, you know, we, we didn't capitalise on winning the contested possessions, hit outs, uh, you know, disposals and marks inside 50. So I guess it back, comes back to that that pressure. Yep, I guess we've sort of answered that. The, the pressure did sort of co- – was costly. And uh, in the end, uh, you know, being able to win possession, uh, when you win possession and you're getting tackled straight away, that uh, makes but, it I mean, hard. To that I'd add, though, that if you – one of the problems with track – being so obviously hampered mm. was you essentially lose a twentieth of your running power, yeah, and you don't get like that explosion he, out of packs, and you don't get the explosion out of packs. We're less likely to win around the contests, mm. um, as well as Oliver played. He got hit in the head pretty hard. Yeah. And he, yeah, that was he was struggling um, as well. But just forgetting the like that, what you miss from you know he would win more and get to more contests, Petrarca, without that injury. You, you miss the kilometres that he runs because, you know, I don't know what he runs, but maybe he averages 10. He wouldn't have run more than six or seven kilometres in that game of footy, um, which, again, makes it more baffling than I didn't bring um, Smith on because that the reason I raise that is because that running is where we get our turnovers from. We get our turnovers from getting multiple players to the contest when we get the ball moving quickly. Um, they get their turnovers. Well, we gave them from we coughed up 
at least four from goals directly from bad kicks. That wasn't pressure. It was simply bad technique and bad kicks. Um, there's 24 of their 71 points. Um, but they got a lot of their turnovers closer to the contest, whereas we like to get them out in the open. Um, and so, you know, obviously if you can get them, you, you're going to score from turnover, which is a really key stat for us. Uh, Watson 11 writes, it's been bugging me since about round seven that we suddenly became a lot easier to score against. We have had all sorts of semi-logical reasons thrown up, such as loading, lack of forward pressure, injuries, etc. All have some merit, but last Friday, none of those uh, were a factor. May was unbelievable with 16 intercepts, and yet we still conceded scores from 42% of Sydney's inside 50s versus our average of 31% in finals last year. Any ideas why? Are we missing Brayshaw as that defensive uh, winger getting back into defensive 50? Max has had 33% fewer spoils this year than last year. Do we need him back doing 80% ruck work in the defensive role to help out in defensive 50 and rest him on the bench instead of up forward? Do we need Bowie in for defensive ground balls that cost us against Sydney? Uh, Looking forward to the podcast. Um, Who wants to take that? We sort of touched on a couple of those, uh, George. I'll start off. All of the above is the answer, <laughs> I think, with this. Um, there's never any one uh, reason why something's happening. Mm. It's uh, there. There's a whole series of things going into it. Um, I, I think we've dropped off in, in this game. The the absence, effectively, of Petrarca really, really hurt us around the ball. Um, yeah, we couldn't win those key ones that we'd win. That's, that, that's our exactly, model. We're yeah. one down at every stoppage that people yeah. need to remember that. And part of that is because track wins more than his fair share of those balls. Yeah. And I, I, there was another, it wasn't reflected in any stats that I said because you can't put it in. I think Sydney scored four goals from ball ups inside their 20 metre arc where we, our, our, our the people are, our people around the ball failed to cover off people like yeah, there was one failed, was a shuffle, failed, to, failed to cover off Parker. And again, you go, What's missing there? Why are they so free? And then you go, well, yeah, because Petrarca's on one leg. You know, they just can't can't make the the uh, that extra yard to get to them um, to the opposition. They were they were virtually um, virtually you know, unattended at all. Those yeah, those the one players. Parker kicked was a shocker, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, yeah, Robottom, I think got another one. Yeah, um, you know, that's that's it at the end of the game. But all of those things that that were mentioned by by a. a um, our poster um, are all factors. It's just little things here, little things there. Um, at the end of the day, it all adds up to a three and a half goal difference between the two sides. But you know, as, as Goody said many, many times, um, this this game is very ruthless. There's no you get what you get. Um, uh, we lose the game because of all these little things. You've just got to do that much better. I, I agree with all of that. I reckon a really big factor, though, um, and perhaps even bigger than those factors, even those factors combined, is our shift in our game style. Um, If you look back from that Dogs game on, is that we have played fast footy. Um, We played fast footy for the whole Dogs game. Um, We certainly played fast footy for the first half of the Brisbane game. Um, We looked to play fast footy against the Pies, obviously, in that first half where we really um, were playing much higher risk, um, higher reward footy, and we're getting hurt on turnover. I mean, the Pies killed us on turnover. Um, that on rebound is probably a better way of thinking of it. So using that basketball analogy, if you 
you know, the easiest way in basketball, George, to if you're behind 20 points in a game of basketball, you want a fast game of, of basketball. It's the same in footy. The, the faster it is, the higher the scoring is going to be. Um, and as I said, May, I don't know what May was thinking, but in the third quarter, I would have expected it was a directive from the coach to be more aggressive. But kicking those balls into a corridor, I think it was Petty he tried to kick it to, where it would have required the perfect kick to weight it in the middle of um, three Swans players. And he didn't even get his hand on it. Like it got intercepted and, and we gave up a goal. Similarly, when um, Maxi Gorn, you know, down the line is the kick we've been doing the two years, three years under um, under uh, Goody, and all of a sudden he tries to pick off a 30, 20-metre kick into a, a nest of players to hunt and it gets turned over. I mean, that's unusual for Melbourne and it's, it's a funny shift at this stage of the season and I really think that that's the driver of why we're giving up such high scores because, you know, we're doing what other teams do is that we take, you know, we're taking lots of risks and when they don't, when they don't work, you get scored on. Um, John Demonic wants to know, was the round 23 domination of the Lions in hindsight not ideal preparation for the ferocious pressure of the, that the Swans brought defensively? And uh, Bidman, this is uh, me talking now. That you've talked in the past about Richmond in 2018 having a few soft kill leads into the finals, costing them big when finals footy hit. And you also theorise that perhaps Geelong might suffer the same fate given their relatively easy leading to this final series. Uh, that clearly wasn't the case in their match, or perhaps was it? Uh, and in regards to John's question about our lead-in match uh, to the finals, and there was only that one match that was really a soft kill, I do think that domination hindered us at all when it came to the Swans' pressure and then having the week off, I guess. Yeah, I, it's an interesting question. I don't – well, I don't think it was a soft kill. I thought we were phenomenal in that mm. Brisbane game. Uh, I said uh, on the podcast and I pushed back against the narrative that they were poor and I said that leading the lead up to the Richmond game. Let's not forget they came out and beat Richmond and played pretty good football to do so. Um, and so, you know, anyone who's disregarding our performance on Brisbane based on their performance, I think it's is giving us um, not the credit that we're due. So their, their pressure was fantastic. Their contested ball numbers, as I said, after that game were you know, after the 10 minutes, that was basically the same for the rest of the match. So um, I, I wonder whether the week off, you know, our momentum, you know, I wonder if that's more of a factor. But, I mean, it's a good question in terms of, you know, certainly they weren't providing the pressure that um, Brisbane didn't provide, the, uh, bring the pressure that Swans did. That that was pretty phenomenal, wasn't it, that, that intensity? And their tackle numbers were, as George was saying, were off the charts as Collingwood's were as well. Uh, Detective Sergeant Taggart says, uh, I'm curious to know if the guys think the pre and this is talking about the pre-finals buy worked against us and to a lesser extent Geelong. It seems both Collingwood and Sydney were able to apply enormous pressure during their respective matches, despite the fact that Binman and others were anticipating those relatively younger teams would begin to run out of steam come finals time. You did say that, Binman. I can't help but wonder if the pre-finals buy helped Sydney and Collingwood freshen up more than it helped us freshen up. It'll be interesting to see how the Highs fair against Fremantle having to back up again next week, while Sydney will obviously get to freshen up uh, again ahead of their prelim. Yeah, I think that's a fair question. Well, for one thing is we didn't freshen up. We had a full yeah. practice match. <laughs> um, so we, that's we elected to do that. Now, last year coming into the grand final, we looked like, 
you know, it, it certainly worked last year. Maybe it didn't work this year, you know. That's we're following that that pattern. So definitely, though, I didn't I expected both Collingwood and um, um, the Swans to wilt. That's absolutely true. And uh, I was super impressed, not so much with the Pies. I mean, that I don't think the Pies were as impressive as the Swans. Um, their pressure was good, but not Swans level. That was pretty much, that was one of the most incredible pressure games I've, I've been to to watch live, I reckon. Um, but, yeah, it could well have helped them absolutely freshen up those young guys coming into that first final that week off. I mean, that's the purpose of it, isn't it? Yeah, it was interesting. Exactly. Uh, Ed Langdon on the um, on the news tonight came out and said, somebody asked, asked that question whether the, the buy was worthwhile or not, and he said something along the lines of, uh, well, we play 22 games during the season one week after another. It's sometimes better that you just play next week. Uh, you, you're yeah. used to doing that sort of thing. I think Geelong benefited um, because they've got they really do have so many old players, um, uh, and the extra week off kept them on the ground. Quite frankly, in a lot of in a few cases, um, and I think the Pies actually dropped off a little bit. In particularly, they they looked very impressive early on, but Geelong were able to come back. Um, whether it's, that's going to be the case this week for both of those sides, uh, not for Geelong, but um, uh, for Collingwood, uh, um, I'm just wondering whether. Um, all that hard running is starting to t- have its effects. And as Goodwin has said, finals are a different match. It's a different season. You've got to get, you've got to play a different way in finals. And um, it will be a very interesting, it was an interesting question from our listener. So um, we'll and find the out. Pies, whether it was mentally switched off or physically tiring, that last play that gave up that yeah. goal was, was really pretty poor in terms of their defensive running and spread. Side bottom basically let um, um, Rowan push forward and gave up on the chase. And um, that was, you know, maybe that's mental, I'm not sure, but it was they were looking pretty exhausted near the end. Yeah. We've got uh, Executioner has a comment on last year's final series. He says, last year we played Brisbane, Geelong and Western Bulldogs, all teams who couldn't apply much pressure and didn't play man-on-man footy. This year, our hardest games have been against teams playing high-pressure man-on-man like Sydney, Collingwood and Carlton. My question is, uh, can the Demons find a way to play against that man-on-man style and kick away again? Uh, It seems to me like our model stands up against um, certain teams but not others and sort of, again, touched on that as well. So unless you have anything... I don't expect this. I mean, we're not going to be changing our spots we're a leopard who's not changing our spots no, at that's this the thing. Yeah. stage of the year having said that as i said we've i think it's gone unnoticed or uncommented on at least that we've made some pretty significant tactical changes to the way we go not least being more aggressive with our ball movement um and being more trying to drive the score when's the last time we really looked to control the tempo it was the second half probably of the july of the Brisbane game for a little bit um, and then certainly in the third quarter for the first 15 minutes of the Pies game. But otherwise, other than that, we're not playing that Melbourne model of, you know, when we're in trouble, slow their momentum and we've got the momentum, get it and then and then kick the gears back and, and, and control the tempo. So quite a big shift. Maybe that's other teams disrupting our ability to do that and maybe I'm underestimating how much other teams are, um, are disrupting us. Um, 
but it's definitely definitely a shift. But we're not going to suddenly radically change our model. Come, you know, particularly Goody. I mean, everyone makes the comment about Goody, which is true. Is he's a stubborn bugger? There's no doubt about it. And um, the other thing in this mix that's interesting, and who knows around the debate, but there's lots of reasonable debate around. Well, you know, why aren't they bringing some fresher players in? If some of these players are banged up. Why aren't they bringing in a Chandler who's fresh and ready to roll, or a Laurie, or you know, as we've talked about a JVR, or you know, yeah, we've got some it, questions he's got about a particular that. Particular philosophy, on. doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, I mean, keeping track on the ground was like a the philosophy writ large of resilience. No, he'll he'll run through it. <laughs> he'll probably get selected this week as well. Yeah, I don't expect to see any real change in the strategy, but the way you beat man on man is to get the ball into your better uh, better ball users' hands. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, that was limited. In, that was limited in this game be, uh, because of Petrarca's injury and a few other injuries as well. Obviously, if Gorn's not getting the ball as much as you need, um, but that's that's certainly the way to beat it. Um, you know, I, I'm also thinking that you really need to get some younger legs in there, even though it's well, it's a do or die match now. Um, that you need to get them in because we need something else. You need, you need yeah. that bit of extra run. We need um, a bit of energy, in the, need, yeah, yeah. That's but you're right. That's exactly exactly the way to beat that that one on one. And we almost did. There were a number of times so frustrating where we just missed the handball. If he gets out, we're out. Like there were yeah. at least four times where we where. I mean, that's the great thing about watching at the ground. You just don't see on the telly that there was at least four times um, that I thought, well, we, we get out here, we're going to get forward of the ball, we'll score, and we stuffed up that handball or yep. it wasn't really necessarily the pressure they were bringing, although that was obviously a factor, but there was some just really bad skill errors which um, meant that ordinarily we would have got it outside that contest and got it ahead of the ball. Um, the other thing is as much as Salem, they did put time into Salem and I thought that was really clever, but he's not been the same player, has he? No, definitely not. No, no. He's not giving us anywhere. Like he's that sort of player who is so good at hitting targets and he's just not giving us that that bite off half-back flank and arguably Bowie gave us more energy and bite um, the previous, against Brisbane, didn't he? Yeah. Um, new Demonland poster, Everything's a Blur, says, uh, first time poster, long time listener, love the pod. Uh, question, I'd love your thoughts on this that's driving me crazy. What is it about the MCG uh, this year? It cannot be a coincidence that we win almost every away game and feels like we've lost almost every home game of the G. The Carlton win was hardly convincing. Is it the Melbourne weather, given nearly all the MCG games have been cold and drizzly, which leads to the frustrating fumbling that uh, we keep see, fumbling that we keep seeing? Do we need the warmer conditions to execute cleaner, keep up the good work, and go deem, demons? Uh, firstly, welcome to Demonland, and second, thanks for your kind words about the podcast. Um, uh, if you too want to uh, ask a question and you're a loyal listener but not a member of Demonland, jump on Demonland.com, sign up, and uh, look for our podcast threads and you can ask a question um as to your as to uh everything's a blurs question i wholeheartedly agree and we should be petitioning the afl to play all of our home games during finals at optus stadium uh guys <laughs> any thoughts on the, here, <laughs> yeah, <bring it> any <laughs> thoughts uh <laughs> on the mcg i, I Honestly, Andy, I have got no idea why this is the case. The only thing I can suggest for this season is that we seem to be playing a lot more of the top eight sides um, at the MCG. Yeah, um, that's... So close, closer games, all that sort of thing. 
in previous years when we we're further down the bottom, you you'd be playing Fremantle and uh, you know in those days, um, mm. uh, um, not all the also runs as home games, could as the AFL fixturing. Um, but this this year, it's been particularly noticeable. Um, I don't think the problem is the MCG; it's perhaps the opposition. So, should we be petitioning the AFL to get Essendon to play us in the grand final? And then, yeah, I wonder whether. Well, two thoughts. When I read the question before the show, the I had two thoughts. Is one is that we build ourselves up for travelling, and if you hear them talk about it, they love travelling, and we've got an incredible record. We've what won twelve. I think the last 12 or 13, yeah, on the road. 12 or 13. So maybe the flip to that sort of attitude is that you go away with this real focus and and psychologically that's helpful. Maybe the flip to it is that they psychologically ease off at home or something and they don't get some of the benefits that they get of travelling together and the things that they've talked about. Um, That was one thought I had. The second one was that almost every game at the G this year has been wet or slippery. Um, there's been, and particularly the second half, if Collingwood was, Pies was, uh, sorry, the, Pi, the Collingwood, the Blues certainly was. It was cold and heavy that night. It was slippery um, in this game on the weekend. Um, now, I would it's have not thought ju- It's that, not just us, though. They're, they're copying it too. <laughs> well, positions. no, I'm thinking, yeah, no, of course. But yeah. I, I'm thinking that, for instance, the Pies and the Swans, we've just talked about their game is built around this pressure and the pressuring that the um, – the, the post-clearance possession and I was just talking then about our how many times did we miss that last handball of the chain that would have got us out into space and 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 running forward of the ball um maybe the the wet weather suits those high pressure teams that George was was talking about more than it does us I wouldn't have thought that previously but um you know just trying to find a a reason for our struggles there but you know maybe it's as simple as what George said we're playing better teams Maybe we need to get the uh, the hose out at um, Gosh's Paddock and uh, and uh, wet the field before we train. Um, oh my D's wants to know: Has Brayshaw's recent move into the middle as an inside mid come at the cost of the grunt he gives along uh, us along the non-Langdon wing or down back? Thanks for everything you do with the podcast, and um, we actually have a response on the thread. Uh, from Demon Dynasty in regarding that uh, that question, and I'll 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 read it out here, and then you guys can give your thoughts. Uh, this is Demon Dynasty. In my humble opinion, we don't need him to play halfback uh, role at all now that the back six are set, and we have Salem Bowie on the sidelines as Salem's replacement. We won the premiership with him playing a roughly eighty to twenty wing forward role last season, and what a season it was for Gus. He spent virtually no time in our defensive 50 last season. The midfield experiment worked for one game and has been a progressive failure ever since, culminating in his worst performance this season, possibly his last two seasons, on Saturday night. Time to push him back to the wing slash half forward role of last year and move Harms back in as his replacement, playing the mid slash half forward role that he mostly played last season with pretty good effect also. Gus doesn't have the upper body strength and leg power that is drive out of congestion away from the opponent slash tagger to play more than a brief cameo on the, on the odd occasion through the middle uh, in, in my view. Would much rather see Harms back in with brief cameos from Cozzy and or Bedford, if he happened to be pick, to, picked, to add some speed and provide the opposition with a different look slash matchup conundrum on game day. 
Why would you want to take away one of your biggest strengths from 2021 and make things that much easier for the opposition unless absolutely necessary or the midfield experiment was a great success? It makes no sense to me at all. Um, what are your thoughts, guys, on moving uh, uh, Brayshaw back to a wing as it was successful last year? I'd, I'd, I'd move Brayshaw back to the wing simply because Jimmy Jordan's not there at the <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah. Who, who played on the wing this week? Um, sort of a funny yeah. Spargo hybrid. Spar- Spargo hybrid, yeah. Mm. yeah he, but it's not he, really a wing role. Mm, it's more no. of a, yeah, it's, I, I look, I agree with everything actually Demon Dynasty just said, that except for the fact he did push back into defence a lot and not playing in the wing last year and, mm. and we yes. missed exactly that. Well, he, he, fact, saved, a, he saved a goal. Uh, <laughs> in the yeah, no, that was a big yeah. um, function of, I mean, that's a big function of the wingers game and that's probably what we've missed with Spargo because he's not pushing it as deep into the defence. So I agree with all of that and in particular progressively becoming less and less beneficial um, our back in the six midfield. Is, is, is back. And our back well, six Well, no more in that role in the midfield. And I, that, I wouldn't be surprised if Longmire um, put some time into uh, him as well because even though he's like he, his numbers have dropped off in the middle a little bit, he's, he's defensively still playing a role there, but he, he didn't have any impact on the game defensively mm. um, in this game and um, sort of had a bit of a strange nothing game, didn't he? He wasn't sort of... Neither here nor there, but I, I I would put him back on the wing in a heartbeat. It was, um, it's an example of some of the changes I guess they've made, and um, Goody's not likely to do it though, is he? Nope. Uh, Demonized states uh, Goodwin has always said that they trust their systems. The question for the panel is, do you still trust their systems? And I know B Man probably does, but we have a call, not a caller. We've got a a voicemailer. Uh, Matt did leave a message. It sort of relates to this, so I'll play that, and then uh, you guys can tell me whether you still trust in the systems, which aren't likely to change anyway. Guys, Matt from Caulfield North here. Uh, love the show. Just wanted to call up and see. I've seen a lot of talk about people uh, sort of discrediting the Goodwin model of coaching and say, you know, Longmire could change coaching on the day, on the fly, and, and change ta- up tactics, and we couldn't. And um, they're questioning that coaching model, but it's the model that won us a premiership. It's the model that got us to second on the ladder, and it's the model that helped us thrash Brisbane and some other teams this year. Um, to me, I think the reason we lost on Sydney... Uh, to Sydney the other day was because it just felt like they were phased. I think it was the game plan still holds up, but the players all looked a bit stunned and um, you, it came through with the lack of discipline that we saw, um, the mistakes. I mean, you, when they went in for goals and they they missed at point blank range and were falling over themselves and stuff. I think it was, it just seemed like they just weren't settled the whole game. So I wondered if you guys could talk on, sort of that mental, um, I don't know, mental uh, sort of uh, shock that that I, I was feeling for them. And I know, I think you guys talked about um, uh, mental state, not playing into it too much last week, but I don't know. I think there's something in that. Anyway, uh, looking forward to the show. See ya. Um. 
if you if anyone does want to uh, call in uh, and leave a message, uh, you can call during the week on zero three nine zero one six three triple six zero three nine zero one six three triple six. You can always leave a message. No one answers that phone, and we'll play it like we played Matt's um, just now. Be man uh, on system. You know, I think that Matt makes an excellent point. Um, you know, I've talked about this heaps of times on on the podcast for me the biggest factor in football was injury and we just never talk about it enough I'm not blaming injury for this loss but we've not we had a perfect season last year everything lined up um we just have not had that this year we've you know you know this season will finish whatever ends up happening and the stories will come out about how banged up our players have been you know um the system is, Matt's exactly right, the system won us a flag. Um, you know, the system has has meant that we've we've lost a, a final, yet we're still in it. We're playing a game which we're $1.30 favourites coming into this game, which is shorter than we were when we flogged them by 60 points. Um, so we're a very good chance of um, making a prelim against um, one of our nemesis teams in Geelong. I think the thing about system and that coaching um, philosophy is that it's a bit hard. It depends where you sit on that as an opinion on what your belief about coaching is, but that's what Goody's philosophy is. So, um, I mean, from my perspective, I support the club and I support Goody. Um, you know, it's a bit, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If, you know, you get the flag because that's the system that um, built, he's going to stick with this system or a system, his approach. That's his modus operandi as a coach. Um, unlike a you know um, you know Scott who's a bit more um, fluid and, and Longmire, there's that there are different types of coach as I, as I've said. So I think if for me at least if, you know what's the point sort of get, getting annoyed with Goody's philosophy? That's his philosophy, and so we've we've appointed him a senior coach, and we've just resigned him. So <laughs> people should probably accept that he's going to be pretty. He's going to stick to a particular way of doing things. Um, just on the mental stuff, I hadn't thought that that would be an issue for us. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, we were definitely um, ill-disciplined. We definitely showed some signs of, um, you know, mental errors that weren't, you know, maybe referred pressure or, but, you know, there's no doubt about that. There's, um, we struggled to deal with, and maybe, you know, maybe we did struggle to deal with um, playing at home and, um, in front of our crowd and um, all of that stuff. There was a bit of, I don't know about you guys, but it was a bit of a weird atmosphere at the G on Friday. It wasn't celebratory like it was that uh, two, like when I was last there for a big final at the G against in 2018. Um, there was a bit of a hesitancy and nervousness in the air, it felt like to me, and it visually it looked like that's how the players played so you know maybe they didn't cut maybe there was some um, mental chinks in their mental armor i'm not a great fan of the idea of mental weakness but what is a factor i think is confidence and momentum when when you're running well um, things seem to fall your way um when things aren't going well um things turn to disaster i mean we had a couple of cases in this game you know, the debacle with um, who was it, Milcham and, and Spargo in front in front of goal. You know, there were three or four of them. Wasn't yeah, they? Uh, Nibbler can't kick twenty meters to hit someone on the lead. Just mm. takes takes away all the confidence, all the hard work to to get the ball up to that end of the ground to see it thrown away. Yeah, that's that uh, that, that yeah. blows your confidence. Um, 
and uh, the crowd's confidence and, and the crowd's yeah. the energy out doesn't it yeah, yeah there's a reason why the crowd's not yelling it's yeah. because those sort, of, those sort of events happen yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly it they're groaning um so it's it's not a mental factor it's just that's the nature of all sport as well yeah, yeah. yeah. um when when you're up you're up um, you do miraculous things like we did in last year's grand final um when you're down things things just never Go, seem to go your way. The ball bounces the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all those sort of things. So, um, but um, I think that caller gave his own answer. The system is what got us there in the first place. The system gives you better results. Um, you're more likely to get a win using the system that the players have had drilled into them than just going out there and kicking the ball around under um, without any real system to it. So. Um, We'll we'll see more of the same. It's just whether the execution, as Goody said in his interview, yeah. the yeah. it's all about the execution and the fundamentals. Uh, you need to get the basics right. When we do those, we look fantastic. The confidence goes up. The crowd will cheer. If Goody was a little bit more of a comedian, that uh, I'd love to see him come to the presser on Thursday and say, "Look, I've had a, a bit of a think about the way we play, and I've decided that I really, really like the Swans game, and we're going to implement it tomorrow." Well, look, the, no one's suggesting they they wholesale change the the entire way that they Are play, they? Right. but we, uh, you know, we've come up against these pressure teams a few times, and have beaten us and I know that in the second Collingwood game you know had things had the kick straighter things could have worked out a little bit differently but uh, yeah I I think we just need something else or or, what's more likely is they'll tweak it out their system over the summer to address that issue well that's next year they're not likely to suddenly (laughs) come up with a new model are are they I mean they might they'll look to mitigate it yeah so maybe they'll tag some of those pressure players in the if we get to play the Swans in a grand final, mm. for instance. You know, maybe they'll be more specific about their targeting. Maybe they'll, you know, they didn't really run any tags. Maybe they'll tag Robottom, mm. for instance, or do something unusual like that. Um, uh, you know, the first week of finals was pretty good watching from a, a neutral sp- perspective. Uh, we saw some close, ca- uh, you know, we saw the close seesawing, high scoring battle in Brisbane, a heart stopping close battle at the G between the Cats and the Magpies, a massive comeback out in the West as the Bulldogs managed to choke once again at Optus Stadium. Uh, do you guys have any more thoughts? Uh, we've, you've spoken about some of the games. Anything else you want to go over before we go into the ins and outs? Um, not, not really. I think it was. I think it was an interesting round from the different contrasts that that uh, were in those three games. Um, in a way, I didn't enjoy the the Richmond um, Brisbane game because it, the it was just defence <laughs> free defense, from both yeah. sides. It was, was appalling for both teams. Wasn't yeah, it? just nothing on both sides. It was just yeah, who's going to kick the most goals? Because you know. Is the siren going to, going to sound before um, it's our turn, sort of thing? What did um, what did uh, what did you think about the the uh, the goal the arc uh, Tom Lynch's uh, goal point? Uh, I thought it was whatever. awesome. Well, how would you feel? Uh, all right, I my my no, no, thoughts no. on it. Well, we know what it, you'll feel. It, like, it was a po- it was a point. On the back of that that no, no, no. decision. So the the fact it is the the fine by me. The the shot was a point. All right, he he knew it. Yeah, whatever, yeah. but yeah, he knew it. Yeah. But it was called a goal. And there's no way that that video could conclude the angle that they had. There, there someone had a cell phone camera, a mobile phone camera angle that showed that it was. But there was no way that that angle that they had could definitively say 
And I don't care about his reaction. I don't care about his reaction. Everyone said it's a point. It doesn't matter. It's a point. I know, but but the rule, the rule, and and if we have to obey the rules of the AFL, it should have been a goal. Well, but I'm very happy that they the didn't get Maybe it. they've got a secret camera angle that they don't show. Well, why wouldn't they show? Why wouldn't then the next day they go, here, here's the evidence. Everyone's yeah, because it's all secret cr- source stuff. Ah, that's, I think that's I love that it's a billion-dollar industry and they're applying the club cricket rule on <laughs> umpiring, which is if the batsman looks like he's hit it, then, you know, you give him out. Did you know that that was, the, did you know that that was something, the, the reaction of the – did we know no, that? Did I, anyone I, know that? I, I didn't know that, but it's fair enough too. He missed it. So you and have what, to cheat I, I thought now. <laughs> actually, to be to be perfectly honest, other than the fact that, as I said, it meant that I um, won money on that game. Um, so I was thrilled from that perspective. Oh, and Richmond <laughs> um, lost. I, I, well, I would, I'd much be prefer what, playing Brisbane. What the whole controversy meant was that Lynch didn't get bloody criticised for missing an absolute oh, terrible. soda. How did he miss he cost them the game. Yeah. He, he, he lost them the game of footy. Yeah. I mean, he kicks that 99 times out of 100, you'd think. Mm. So I, I would rather we bag Lynch than the AFL in this circumstance. I think what we're going to see come out of this, as was suggested by a couple of our posters, why in the hell haven't you got a LIDAR or a laser at, the top, of the, or, at or the top of the micro, goal? Post? Micro, micro, microchips, in the, microchips <laughs> yeah. in the ball or whatever. So it knows. Well, it, the, then yeah. it knows. It's a camera. It knows exactly whether it went through the goals or, or the points. Why wouldn't you just no... put a camera on the top of the post, the top pointing of the post, straight pointing up? Straight up. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. put a man on the moon and you can't work out whether a footy goes over a post. Yeah, yeah. Unless you unless you add another twenty foot to your post, but yeah, a simple camera or a laser on top of the post, it's not all that hard, uh, Gil. Yep. All right. Um, let's uh, before we go into uh, go on to give our opinions on any changes this week. We have a few questions uh, about this from our listeners. Uh, this is the first one, is is about the fitness of Christian Petrarca. This is from Rab D Nesbitt. Uh, he says uh, in a in a 2018 preliminary final, Richmond played a hampered Dusty in a tacit admission that their chances of success hinged on his presence. They still lost heavily with a similar injury, Corky, to track. Do we think uh, we might be tempted to do likewise? And if so, uh, would we be sending out the same signals? Can the presence of an 80% fit superstar lift all his teammates enough to make up that difference? If so, can you think of any famous examples where this uh, has worked or backfired? Um, And Gibroni wants to know, uh, if Petrarca is not fit to play this week, who should come in uh, a mid or a forward? And I think we'll play track no matter what. Um, unless he's physically yeah. can't, can't walk, um, uh, then – but if he did ha- – you know, unless he physically can't walk, he, he's playing 100%. But if he had to pull out, I think they would pro- probably replace him with Dunstan. They would uh, more likely go like for like, uh, positionally that is, uh, than to replace him with a forward even if uh, track's going to play – uh, mostly forward this this week. So, uh, but what are your thoughts on on track? He's ov- obviously they'll, they'll play him if he can't walk, but uh, if he doesn't, I'll, def- <laughs> I'll definitely play him. And and to give you the answer to the uh, second part of the question, it was actually answered in one of the uh, threads on Demonland today. Um, remember this bloke called Stephen May who played with a hamstring injury yep. last year in the grand oh, yeah, final. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that one. Dermot Burton played with three broken ribs in the grand final. Yeah, that seemed to work. Well, May, so, they didn't um, even tell that he had the, didn't tell him <laughs> yeah, that he had the. Yeah, so um, 
And, and it just depends on the extent of the injury. You know, the dusty yeah. one where he could barely move, not surprising, you know, but um, if um, in other circumstances, you just look at it, you, you roll the dice. Is it going to last? Um, you know, it didn't work for Taylor Adams um, this week. Um as, a, as an example, but uh, as one of our other posters said, um, fra- uh, Trax injury used to be known as skin, uh, shin splints. You know, people have been playing with that. Um, it's not a broken leg, despite what it's the... Fractured. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fractured leg, according to the media. It's, it's well, a, it is a fractured yeah. leg. He's got yeah. a hairline yeah, fracture, it's, still it's, a fracture. It's not a, weight, uh, it's not a weight-bearing uh, bone. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, the problem, the bigger problem is the calf, the kick yep. to the calf. Where, yeah, which, uh, yeah, look, so, they uh, won't play him if he's. Uh, look, this is an interesting question around what I was saying before about whether, you know, like if the question is what will they do as opposed to what would I like them to do, I'm not as convinced that they should be playing him if they, you know, because of the what we lose with his run and our game is so depending on everyone's ability to run and cover distance. Um, so um, it depends if they if he's good to go, but he's got form already. He's played a game this season where he wasn't good to go, and he said he was. Um, it would really piss me off completely if he comes in and he's limping and he and he's not giving us anything. That's um, and it's interesting. The question was: Are there any examples of you know where it's worked or it hasn't worked? Well, you know, there's some famous ones like um, Dermy Brereton or whatever, um, but the. There was an example just uh, this round of one where it didn't work because it was an error, I think, to play Dustin Martin. I said it before mm. the game. Um, and if you watch, not only didn't he give anything, he was a liability in terms of he wasn't providing any defensive run at all. He barely spent a minute in the midfield. He was basically a decoy forward. Like So they, they were one player down almost. He had almost zero influence on mm. that game. Um, I would... There's a, a case to be made that they would have won that game if they didn't pick Dusty. So it, it, it's is it a risk worth taking? I mean, you don't know what the all you know. Obviously, the club got the information, so you know you can't really tell from outside. But we'll if, if he runs week. onto the ground, opening bounce, and he's he looks hampered. Well, uh, we'll answer that. Uh, we'll have all the answers next week. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll circle back. Uh, Guga states, I am convinced defending this premiership has left us very fatigued. We start well and fade. This has been the case uh, for both uh, the season itself and within most games. Rather than reaching our peak, I think we are just hanging on. A prelim appearance appearance will be a good result from here. Question for the podcast, do we die wondering with the same 22 or do we do... or do we roll the dice on some fresher names who are perhaps not as weighed down by a long season? So I'll ask you guys, uh, do we show some daring uh, guys, uh, uh, bring in some fresh meat, perhaps Bowie, Bedford or Chandler, maybe Smith or JVR, hold off on the T-Mac opinions as we have a question about him next. Uh, so, But any of the other players are fair game for us to discuss now. We've seen some of our opposition roll the dice on some youngsters in the finals. In fact, Brisbane uh, just played a first gamer on Thursday night and he kicked a goal um, so what, what, what do you think, guys? Uh, do you think we'll likely to – I mean, there's a few players who were a bit down. Could we bring in a Bowie? Could we bring in a, a, a Bedford? Um, maybe if um, Spargo's out, uh, just to add some a bit of dash and some fresher well, legs. This question, the question fits into the same category. Is, is it what I would do if I was senior coach mm. or is it what will happen? <laughs> 
what will happen? Uh, well, it's got to be what's going to happen. I know what uh, I know what I would do in some of the cases, but yeah. Well, uh, let's if if they get up from their injuries, it's unlikely there'll be any major change. Although, uh, I mean, there is. He didn't seem. It didn't seem in his post match press uh, presser when he was asked about T Mac that it. It didn't seem from his answer that he was really in the frame, but I won't be shocked if there's no changes. I, I think Binuan's absolutely right. It's a question of uh, what will be the changes versus what should be the changes. Yeah. And um, uh, unfortunately, you know, from this game, players like Hunt have put themselves in the in the barrel when you've got Bowie sitting there capable. You know. um, up forward, Melcham was back to bad Melcham this week. Um, the old looking for the cheapies out the back and not doing any running at all. Um, when you've got people like Bedford running around um, uh, in in Casey providing something, um, T Mac, yes, maybe JBR, yes, maybe because we really maybe Smith, do. maybe Smith. I was I was really surprised with Smith simply because um, he's in no worse a position or no better a position than T Mac. Um, you know, well, T-Mac. he's fitter. He's fitter than T Mac, but. Um, you know, one game versus two, and t- and Smith. Yeah, really... but it's not really a game time. It's no, no, no. But Smith, Smith, yeah, Smith didn't provide a great deal in the Casey game. No, um, that's true. But so, you know, yes, there should be some changes. Um, will there be? Probably not. They did beat this team three weeks ago by nearly ten goals. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> With just speaking of which, Andy, just before, in case I was forget, I meant to say, what a, in, like regardless, I mean, it's been a journey this season, hasn't it? So what a last few weeks it's been, last five, six weeks in terms of emotion. You know, the ups and downs, the dogs game, the, the pies lost, the blues thriller, um, the, you know, how the, the ups of the Brisbane game and how devastating the, this loss was. But despite the loss, it was a fantastic game of footy to watch, but, although it was frustrating. Mm. Um, a bit like the Pies game as well. So it's certainly been a journey, a, a ride that we've got one more week at least. Uh, yes, it was a win for the ages, says. Uh, I think the time has come to roll the dice with T-Mac. If we don't do it this week, we can't wait uh, until a preliminary final to try. It has to be this Friday night. Gives him the extra game against higher quality opposition and gives us the extra key forward we have been craving since T-Mac went down. This will allow Gorney to spend rucking and playing his more traditional role around the ground. It's a risk, but a calculator one. No point having him as a sub. He needs to play to free up big Benny Brown. Jacko slash uh, Gorney uh, went up forward. We won't be winning anything without another key forward in our lineup. If we lose doing it, then so be it. We can't beat the other contenders with, with our current setup. We need to roll the dice to alleviate pressure from big Benny Brown and the resting ruck. This will bring the smaller forwards into the game and straighten us up significantly. Uh, Thanks for putting my question up, Andy. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, you're saying that's uh, coming from me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All these questions are just my nom de plumes. Of, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, well, we, we said, uh, yeah. We'll need them, yeah. Yeah. Just while I think of it, that um, speaking of ruck work, I thought um, Hickey had a fantastic game, oh, didn't he? was he just was amazing. Superb. 80% ruck time. Yeah. Um, and in the first quarter when I was up and about, I was um, – I yelled out that he was a bit hinky um, after he'd done some sort of funky error and then he proceeded to give our rucks a bath. So <laughs> I was like, it just didn't work out for me on Friday night. Uh, 
well, uh, I, I forgot to add that Demon WA also added, will we pull the trigger or stick the same structure that smashed the Lions in the home and away? Was the answer that. Doug Reamer's two cents on the T-Mac issue. I'm not saying they should bring in T-Mac, but we were horribly exposed for the lack of a second key forward. Even if Melkshin had kicked straight, we constantly win the ball in the middle and snap it out to centre-half forward to only have AMB or Sparrow contest it. And with Brayshaw not on the wing now, we lack a link-up down the line. We need one of Smith or Weed or JVR in to straighten us up. In finals, you have to kick down the line and take territory when the pressure is on. You need big forwards to compete and at least half uh, at least half the contest. That, in my opinion, is not having Spargo, A&B or Sparrow, who played well, trying to wrestle two opponents. If we go in and ask Petraka to play 80% forward time, we are kidding ourselves. Yep. Yep. Mm. All of the above. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm amazed they didn't bring a tour. Like, yeah. I don't know who they were, you know, I mean, weed well, obviously. Saying it for weeks. Huge disappointment, but yeah. We're running, out of, running out of time to, to make a change like that <laughs> to our structure. <laughs> and the danger against Brisbane is they will aim to kick a big score. So, yep. um, yes. You know, we, we, have to, we have to improve on what we've been, uh, our, our output, in the, certainly in the last couple of weeks, to be able to be competitive with it. So, yeah, we need someone to kick goals and we can't depend on, as we saw on the weekend, we can't depend on Cozzy and Fritch kicking six and five goals no. um, to win a game. Big, big, big out McInerney for them, which might oh, help yeah, with that's, our, that's um, true. in that space because, um, you know, maybe like Max will – I mean, hopefully Max will play more ruck time and that means Jackson can go back and be that tall forward and, and that's a much better setup, I reckon, um, with McInerney out and Gorn hopefully getting more ruck time. Um, it should give us a huge advantage um, in clearances. So they had to use McStay as a ruckman for most of the day, but yeah. presumably yeah, which they'll bring enough, in... I thought worked pretty well for him. Yeah, but yep. they'll probably bring in Darcy Fort to see the other guy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but before we go into opposition watch, uh, D's nuts. Uh, the finally, he says, uh, can adversity bring a certain strength? Uh, we've got injury niggles. We just lost on our own turf. Looking at a steep climb ahead to have any chance at the flag. What can the coaches do to mentally prepare the team for what looks like a very difficult few weeks after what was a very difficult year? And I'm not sure uh, my two esteemed co-hosts are, are um, psychologists. Uh, is they don't have any degree in the matter, so uh, I don't know. Can, can you answer? Resilience, what can we baby. Resilience. Resilience, uh, yes. Resilience. Uh, do some guided meditation perhaps during the week and uh, try and get back on track. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what they can do. But to he does prepare. touch on something that I, I think is is that it fits with the goody sort of, I mean, I guess this is a bit of a trope in footy, isn't it? But the us against the world, backs against the wall, that type of thing. That um, sounds like a, a, a bulldog's uh, <laughs> narrative, doesn't it? <laughs> che Guevara, I think, is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, we're in the semi, aren't we? And we're favourites. Um, you know, we win this week uh, and... You know, there'll be a whole different discussion about where we're at the following week. Where, you know, as Believer said, as George said, we've, and as you said at the top, we win three games and we win the flag. Um, uh, we have another, we're going to opposition watch now, and we have another couple of questions that relate to the Lions tactics c- coming up ag- uh, against us for the third time this season, and then one about our own tactics. So, uh, John Demonic asks, uh, could we expect a few surprises thrown up by Fagan to test us tactically? If you were Fagan, what would uh, you do? 
Um, he's got another question, but you can answer that. Is there anything that you would do if you were Fagan? Or do you think he'll just uh, do what he did in the last game? Well, I, I, if I was Fagan, I'd do take some of Longmire's, take a page out of Longmire's book and put some time into Salem. Um, I thought, and Langdon as well, um, absolutely. Um, if I, I was thinking about that question is that I think that their best bet is, you know, it sounds a bit contradictory, but is to keep going fast. That's what's beaten us this year is to take the risks. Um, and as George said, some days it works, some days it doesn't, some days your opposition is down. They tried to do that in there. Um, you know, they we stopped the corridor, kicked, took that completely away against them a couple of weeks ago. But for me, tactically, that's what I'd be looking to, to do is to go fast as crazy and to look to put the score on the board. Um, the problem is, as George has noted, is their defensive system, you know, if they go fast, like I was saying before, it opens it up. Um, but they don't really have a tempo game and that slow game feeds into the way we want to play. Um, and a slow game exposes their defence as well. So, um, you know, I think... Either way, we we match up super well against this team. I'm not as confident about this game as I was um, about the Brisbane game, ironically, even though it's on our home deck, only because it feels like they've got a free hit almost. You know, like they'll come in a bit freer and I wonder whether that freedom, you know, they've won, they, they've got the monkey off the back a little bit. They've got their finals win under um, under this regime, coaching regime, um, at this current team. So, you know, maybe they'll play with some freedom and, you know, in footy, as George was saying, if you get on a roll, suddenly you kick three, four goals, your opposition miss, you know, the, the game can swing your way. So um, I think that will help them and we'll be under a fair bit of pressure when we're playing, you know, to go out in straight sets in front of our home crowd would be something the club would be obviously aghast at. So, um, you know, it sets up differently to that round 23 game. I think the the biggest thing Fagan could do is leave Mitch Robinson out of the side. He started, didn't he, against Richmond? <laughs> yeah, he did. He was awful. He was so they bring, they've got Rayner coming back in and they've yeah. got Answorth coming back in, so presumably yeah. he'll go out. Yeah. Uh, the next question from John, uh, even if something has served us well in the past, going back to it again and again might be the fastest track to elimination, given our opponents are adaptable and can prepare for it. Are there some positional or tactical changes that we can make to what we did in round 23 to ensure that we get the win again? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, they might tag a different player than Bailey because last time they looked to put Brayshaw on Bailey, maybe they'll... Well, that's uh, know, that's try. that's our next question. Singer says, last time we played the Lions, we chose not to tag Lockie Neal and instead put a bit of time into Zach Bailey. We know that Neal gets a lot of the footy, in particular in finals. Do you think we might spend a little bit of time on him instead? So, Yeah, I... I I mean, um, I thought Harms, um, again, that was right in front of me, that incident. And I thought as soon as it happened, I thought weeks. Yeah. So I'm very pleased he's ready to go. I personally would, again, who knows, you know, this is what I would do. I'd yeah. definitely put um, um, Harms onto um, or maybe Brayshaw onto Neil because Neil was phenomenal in that Richmond game. Yeah. He's such a good footballer um, and he can hurt um he played quite. He played quite a bit of uh, game time as well, and then right at the end, he saved with that tackle. Um, he's just got a tank oh, on he, him he too. Was so. Just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I th yeah I'd, it'll be interesting because um, Richmond didn't put any time into Neil, and I don't think they're capable of doing it. You, you mentioned Dustin Martin and, and his lack of influence. Um, Cochin's not far behind as mm -hmm. well. Um, 
you know, they're well past their prime. Uh, Edwards is about to retire. Um, and all of a sudden, someone like Lockie Neal has an absolute blinder. I don't think he's going to get the same degree of freedom with a Petrarca and a Viney and an Oliver sitting around him. Yeah, um, Rich, I mean, Richmond I'll... were pretty ordinary in the middle at the at yeah. the end of the day. So, um, but you know, when a guy's getting, he had some phenomenal number of clearances in in one of the quarters. I think it was eight clearances. Oh, it was yeah, ridiculous. Nine, nine uh, you would think a coach would say, "No, we need to put someone on him." If he starts to show show that sort of same output, then yeah, you will see a Harms or a Brayshaw go to him around the ground at least, if not in the middle. Yeah, but I mean, having said all of that, that probably the most logged, most likely scenario is that they won't change anything and force Brisbane's hand to try and. I mean, Brisbane will know what we'll do. We know Goody sticks with what's worked, and you know maybe some small tweaks, um, um, and and respond to what they do. Yeah. Or force them to respond to what we're how we're setting up. Certainly, we we targeted Bailey in the last game in the same way that we target McRae. Um, when we're playing yep. against, because they're the dangerous ones on the outside who deliver the yep. ball. Um, you, you don't worry about whether the guy gets the ball in the middle. It's what he does with it. or is And you it. saw that in the Brisbane um, Tigers game, how dangerous Bailey can be once he, if he gets yep. a bit of time and space on the outside. Yep. Uh, he's a good kick. He's a smart user. Um, so, yeah, maybe they'll, they'll set up exactly as they did um, two weeks back. Well, let's hope we uh, get a big win and I can enjoy myself at the footy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's quickly, we'll go through uh, AFLW. Our women fought out a tough, low-scoring two-point game as a curtain raiser to our qualifying final. The, they remain undefeated after two games. George, uh, what can you tell me about the match? Uh, I only managed to catch the last few minutes. It was a bit of a busy time for me getting to the game. Yeah, it was a, it was a strange sort of match. Um, North Melbourne are, are a very good uh, a very good side, um, and we we had control of the game. And in a similar sort of problem to the men, you know, we kicked three goals, eight to four goals, um, just, to get a, just to get it. Just to get the a, demon spirit, it <laughs> is whatever it is. Um, our inability to score in front of goal um, is uh, was a problem last year, and it's starting to raise its ugly head again this year. And certainly in this game, although they've only played the two games, it was a completely different style of play from from the Adelaide game, which was, was messy, far more it? far more physical. The Adelaide yeah. game, this was a really messy game. Um, uh, Libby Birch down back was just was fant- awesome, wasn't just wasn't fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, she had four intercept marks in the third quarter alone. I was disappointed again in, in Stanier. He's gone back to the handball um, oh, yeah. method of moving the ball. Um, it took him six games last year to stop doing it. Um, we look fantastic when the ball is kicked long and hard. When you've got the players now, Karen Paxman was just superb. She was fantastic. The she's number, wing again, wasn't she? Wing, she's, yeah, she's wing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was we, by far the best on the field. She runs with the ball before she kicks it, and then she kicks it fifty meters. Yeah, you know? and then and, and, and Zanka was doing something similar too. So I yeah. thought Zanka had a good it's, game. You, you need to adapt to the way the game has adapted and the way the players have adapted over the years. It's not the not the same sort of game, and the handballs were causing the errors. Um, 
we let them into the game simply because we yeah. kept making these errors. Uh, Hanks in the middle was just superb again. Uh, Eliza West has stepped up something amazingly. Um, from she set was. up that winning goal. Yep. <laughs> she yeah. kicked it herself basically, almost yeah. marked her own yep. kick. Yeah, she started in the middle of the ground and was finished up at the other end. Of the, you know, uh, fortunately, Bannon was able to drag it around the corner to win the game. But, yeah, she was fantastic. Maddie Gay down the back line were again uh, helping out Libby Birch, but she had a knee problem in the third. Uh, she came back on. Um, so, yeah, it was amazing. Um in the third quarter, the stats came up. We had 92 handballs and North had only had 49. Um, so um, I'm asking Mr. Stanier to, to just concentrate on kick, kicking the ball when when we've got the opportunity, when we've got the players like like Paxman and, and like um, Taylor who can kick the ball long distances and Talia Gillard can kick it long distances yeah. as well in the back line. Um, Utilise those, those capabilities. Um, uh, rather than reverting to what you you were trying to do five and six years ago, simply to get the ball up the ground, I'd also like him to like him to move Daisy back up the ground. Um, unfortunately, she's not what she used to be. Nah, uh, she's not. She, she, she's not she got a couple enough. of cheap cheap goals. Um, yeah. um, she's got um, great skills at knowing where the ball's going to go and being able to out position players. Her her greatest skills would be on the half back line where she reads the play so beautifully. Um, she's that, not, I don't think she's uh, quick enough. She got outpointed at one point pretty oh, yeah. badly and it, was, yeah. it wouldn't have happened too many times in her career, I don't think. She was uh, outread and outbodied in the in the marking contest. Yeah, but I, I I think she's just being wasted in the forward line, especially when the ball doesn't go down there all that often. Um, uh, maybe play her off the bench and, you know, halfback yeah. roll and things like that a bit more often. But uh, I think she's wasted. Just leave, leave Elisa Bannon down the forward line. Um, for somebody else, somebody else to worry about. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but we still got to win. That's all that matters. Like I said, North Melbourne are a good side. They've been consistently in finals over the last couple of years, and now we've got two wins on the board. Um, so it's off to a good start. Yeah. Excellent. All right, uh, we're going to leave it there. Thank you to Bigfoot, uh, CYB, Dominion, uh, Bucknecked, uh, Lazy, At the Break of Gorn, Kelpian, Watson 11, John Demonic, Detective Sergeant Taggart, Executioner, Everything's a Blur, Oh My D's, um, Demonized, Rab D, Nesbitt, uh, Jabroni, Guga, Yes, it was a win for the ages. Uh, Demon WA, Doug Reamer, Dee's Nuts, Singer, Demon Dynasty. Thank you to Kieran from Canberra for calling in again. Thank you to Matt from Caulfield for leaving a message. Thank you to my co-hosts, George and Binman, And thank you, uh, our loyal listeners, George. You are motioning for, <laughs> to say something. Yeah, just one last thing. Thank you to uh, Megs who wrote yes. the pre-match and, and, the, and the post-match report for the women's side. So thank you uh, again. Yes, and thank you to you, George, for doing a wonderful job on the uh, match reports that come in. I don't know how you do it, George. Uh, you get it in so quick. Um, I'm still at the point where I don't even want to look at anything to do with uh, the demons and you're writing up a whole report that uh, is just amazing. So thank you very much for your service. Yeah, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch any of the footy shows again. So it's like, and I'm come still, on, week. And I'm still not as fast as Joe Boy, who has it in on the website within 30 seconds, I reckon, of the game finishing. Oh, that's the uh, well done the, to him as well. The three, three word, word analysis. Three word analysis. Who actually? Yeah. Uh, I saw one of Fox Footy or someone like that uh, started doing that on their Twitter account. Uh, I think they copied him. Um, 
Anyway, thank you, everyone uh, that I mentioned, and thank you, guys. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Go Demons. Go Red Leggers.